wonderful to be with you and have the opportunity of, of sharing God's Word. And it's been a, a really wonderful, wonderful period of preaching that we've, we've had recently and a great privilege to follow on Ian Smith, which I'm sure that we all enjoy it and seeing and, and hearing him. But it gives me the opportunity before I speak and say a huge thank you to the leadership of church in uh, helping us through this uh, period of COVID. And uh, I'm also going to thank Dave Lodge. And it's in the, I, I didn't do this first off, so he couldn't edit it out. But a huge thank you to Dave for uh, doing such an excellent job and uh, allowing church to function as it has during this time. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it is, as I've said, a great privilege. And I'd like just to open in prayer before we start that today. Father, I thank you. I thank you that though we're dispersed, we can be together in Christ. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence with us, that we can be locked down, locked out, locked in, but we can't be locked away from you. And you've been a, a great strength and help to us. And we, we thank you during this time, Father, for, for keeping us safe. And we thank you for hearing and answering prayer. But, Father, today we want to thank you for your unchanging word. And thank you, you've always got a message for each one of us. And so we thank you, Father. And we pray that as we look at your word and as we... We think about life and the call on our lives. Father, your Holy Spirit will inspire us uh, to exercise faith and do great and wonderful things in your name. Amen. Today I want to talk about the purposes of, of God. It's so, so important that we know the purpose of God and uh, not only we know the purpose of God, but that we live according to his purposes. We were created by our creator for a purpose. And I think you're like me, we've all used things for the wrong purposes. I've used a hammer many, many times for the wrong purpose. I've used a knife for the wrong purpose. And, uh, and um, with a knife, there are consequences as well. But I think we need to be aligned with the purposes of God. And when we're misaligned, then things aren't working the way they should. So there's that need to be re-graduated. I suppose that begs a bigger question of what are the purposes of God? What is God's purpose for your life and my life? As a young pastor, I had a vision of church. It was quite one of these visions that were... I don't know, it's all ministry changing. And I saw the church as a, not as a, a, a luxurious liner, but as a, a lifeboat. And God was speaking to me about the reason for church and the reason I was involved in church and why I was saved. And uh, there was something strange about this lifeboat in as much that it, it didn't have um, a, a motor. It only had sails. Uh, but it had a purpose. It existed for a purpose. Um, not to be becalmed, 
though there are times in our lives where we are becalmed and maybe they're times of great value. There were row, there were oars in the in the boat and we could we could row. And that would be needful at times. But it was its propulsion was from elsewhere. Its sails had to be set to catch the wind. And uh, it was a beauty wasn't in the boat. The beauty was in its propulsion. Its sails were faith, and they were to catch the wind. And uh, the, it, it, it has to um, have sails. It, it could only, only move by raising the sails. And raising the sails took some effort, often shared effort. Uh, I'm, I'm not a sailor, but I'm sure those of you that are. They need to be unfurled to catch the wind. And when they were unfurled and the sails of, of faith were raised and they caught the wind of God, then wonderful things would happen. We were, in a sense, aligned with the purposes of God. And that's the heart of what I want to say today. is the need for me and for you and for us at this time to be aligned with the purposes of God. Because when we're aligned with the purposes of God, we're taken to, to wonderful places, amazing places. We can do things that we never, ever thought that we could do. But it was this, this thing of catching the wind, catching the wind of God, catching the wind of God at this very time in our life, catching the wind of God when, when this virus has, has changed life so much. But the purposes of God, they still exist. They are unchanging. And for me to know that purpose, and even at my age, when things are changing again in my life, I need to know and embrace and enter into the purposes of God. And I say humbly and, and lovingly that God has purposes for you, that nothing, nothing has changed, though much in the world has changed but the wind of God still blows. And the wind of God will take us and use us in, in wonderful ways, if only we'd permit him. And at this time when I had this vision and uh, that why the church exists, what was the purpose of the church? It was to seek and to save the lost, of course. But I got this, this great feeling from God that I, I wasn't to teach people how to row. I was to teach them how to lift the sails. I was to teach people how to have faith in God. And that is the, the great cry in the word of God. Have faith. Have faith in God. And if we achieve anything, Dave and I today, it is that we would end with greater faith than we began. Faith so that we can catch the power of God, the power of God working through you and me. And so a good sailor needs to know when to raise the, the sails and when to lower them. But even more, he needs to know where he's going. 
he needs to know his purpose. And so for us to align ourselves with the purposes of God, serving the purposes of God, joining with God's mission, that's, uh, that's why I love Rooftop Ministries and, day, uh, and uh, uh, it, it's, it's mission, that it should see what God is doing and join with what's going. That, that's Den Pether's great cry is that we join in the mission of God. We have faith to step into the flow of God. In Acts 13 and 36, it says of King David, for David served the purposes of God in his own generation. The great summary of all that King David did, he served the purposes of God. Wouldn't that be a wonderful epitaph for you and for me? That you serve the purposes of God in your generation. And then it just finishes by saying he fell asleep. He ran the race. He served God in that way. In Ephesians 3 verses 10 to 12, it talks of God's intent or his purpose. It says, his intent was now through the church. Not through some other organization or, or means, but his intent, God's wonderful intent, was that now through the ter- church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose. So that God's intent and his purpose is to use the church, that the manifold, the, the, the varied forms of the wisdom of God would be made known. That he accomplished in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. So his purpose, accomplishing Jesus, would be made known through the church. In him and through faith in him, we approach God with freedom and confidence. I primed Dave about this. And when I said hallelujah, he was to say praise the Lord. So I say hallelujah to that. Praise but, the Lord. <laughs> but... It was that we would have freedom and confidence in approaching God. That's all part of his purpose. It's part that I would live in the freedom because of the victory of the cross and Jesus. A little earlier in the letter to the Ephesian church, again, uh, Paul writes, In him were also chosen, having predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything. This is the plan, the intention of God, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So God is purposefully working. In these uh, times, these, these times which you've never experienced before, God is working out his purposes. It's a sort of Romans 8.28, for we know that in all things God is working together, is working them out for the good of you and, and me. 
So it said that he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ may live to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah, that's a, another a purpose that we would live to the praise of his glory. That's why our, our, our faith should rise, that, that in all of this, you and I, in, in the midst of every situation we find ourselves, our lives will be lived for the praise of his glory. And he's chosen the church, redeemed men and women, that he picked up when we were, when we were broken, when I was a, a bruised reed, when I was a, a wick that was almost going out. He picked me up and used me that his glory may be made known. And so, I, I, in fact, I, I read something this morning. Um, it said, what if the circumstances you are asking God to change are the very circumstances God is using to change you? Hmm, that's quite profound, isn't it? If I find myself in some circumstances, and I'm saying, please change these circumstances, but God has allowed these circumstances so I may be changed, that he might use me, that I might align myself with the purposes of God? Could at this time when church has, 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 has been prevented from meeting in a, in a way that is historically known for centuries to come together and gather on a Sunday, that God would be using this to grow our personal faith? Faith to pray. It's been wonderful on Tuesday evenings to see so many people um, um, tune in to our Zoom prayer meetings and to see many wonderful prayers. I don't know that would have happened had it not been for this uh, uh, pandemic. And let's read a, a few verses from Acts 17, verse 24 through to 28. This is in the New International Version. This is Paul in, in Athens. He said, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives men life to all men and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined that the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Paul's saying that God gives life, breath and everything. He made the nations, he appointed the times, he set boundaries. And God did this for a purpose, so that they would, or we would, seek him, 
we would reach out to him and find him. For in him we live and move and have our being. I've read those verses many times. But there's something so profound about that for in him we live and move and have our being. That's the purpose of God. That's why I was saved. That my being would be in Christ. In Esther 4.14, Mordecai, the, the, the Jewish people had been threatened um, by the king. He was going to annihilate them all. And in the conversation between Mordecai and Esther, in, in Esther 4.14, he says, Who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? You have for such a time. I have for such a time. God would want to use everyone. We're redeemed for such a time. Even though life may seem to be dealing you a, a, a difficult hand at the moment. This is your time. This is your moment. This is in Christ you have your being. This amazing potential that you and I have to be world changers. I know there's thoughts that come to us and there's one who doesn't want us to attain to the great call of God on our life. But that's our potential. That's the reality. I have a, a little problem in singing these are the days of Elijah and these are the days of King David because patently they're not the days of Elijah. Elijah has had his days and wonderful days they were. These are the days of Ian Moore. These are the days of, of Dave Lodge. These are your days. And uh, we need to catch the wind. We need to get into the jet stream of God. And he's moving. And all that he's doing. We're not called to be bystanders. I'm not... And, and oh, we need to get into the current where the, where the strong current is. In Ezekiel 47, where uh, the man of God comes and uh, he, he gives a, a, a vision to Ezekiel. And there's this little stream that, that, that's flowing from the east side of the temple. And uh, he's taken, uh, Ezekiel's taken and... Uh, uh, the man says, get in the water, Ezekiel. Go in a thousand cubits, and it's up to his ankles. And he says, go in a, another thousand cubits, into the river of God, into the flow of God. And it's up to his knees. Go in a, another thousand cubits, and it's up to his way. Go into another thousand cubits. And all of a sudden, he's in this river of life. This river that changes salt water into fresh water into which the, all sorts of fish would, would swim and on its banks you'd get trees that would bear fruit in all seasons and the, uh, the, the fruit of the food and the leaves are for the healing of the nation. And God says to you and to me, hey Ian, get into this river. Into a river where it can actually carry you 
in a river where you're, you're not hanging on to the side when, you know when you first learned to swim and you'd hang on to the side of the pool and you wouldn't venture in? Or even more um, pertinent to me when I used to take my, my granddaughter ice skating and I'd first went on to the, the rink and you, you get these people that they just circle around the edge and they hang on to the little, little bar that they've got. And, uh, but the real freedom is in the middle of the rink, isn't it? And you just need a push. You need to, you need to, to go and enter into that flow. And he was in a river, Ezekiel. It said that no man can cross. It was God's river. Oh, something just fills my heart even now to think that there's a place where God wants me to be. In Isaiah 6, when Isaiah, in that that famous passage where you saw the Lord high and lifted up, high and exalted, and he was in his presence, and he felt unclean. He felt so unclean that he felt he was ruined. He was a man of unclean lips. How could God use him? And God said, your sin will be atoned for. And a seraphim came and touched his lips with a coal. And God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Who will enter the flow of God's purposes? And that's always the cry of God. Wherever you are sitting at home now, it's the cry of God. Will will you enter the purposes of God? And at that moment, Isaiah put his little hand in the air and said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Inadequate as I feel, I want to enter the purposes of God. And at that moment, a great prophet was born. Hallelujah. And at at that moment, when I enter the purposes of God, when I allow his life to come and overtake me and carry me and bear me, even though I'm, I'm going into the unknown, and there's always fear, I trust God. I raised the sail of of faith and I allow God to take me and lead me perhaps to places I don't know. When in fact I first became a Christian and I've said this before that my first call on my life was to be a servant. It was here I am. I'm available for your purpose. I think the, the entry point into Christianity of giving our lives to Christ and being saved is one thing because that determines an eternal destiny and the fatherhood of God. The lordship of Christ is something quite different. It's saying that I am available. Here I am. Whenever I call him Lord, I'm saying yes. And I ask humbly, what is the Lord saying to you? What is he 
asking of you, what is he wanting you to say yes to, send me? I'd do it. It might not be a long journey, it could be across the road, it could be to pick up a telephone. It could be to forgive someone that you've held a a bitterness towards for a long while. It might be to go. It might be to to, to take a, a huge step, but every step is a step of faith. In uh, Exodus um, 21, verses 5 and 6, there's some instructions about um, Hebrew servants and what a master should do with his servant. After seven years, they were allowed um, to be set free. But uh, it, it, it reads... But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he shall be his servant for life. And there's a real sense that the God is asking us if our ear will be pierced. We've got a good master. We've got someone who's loved us and given us so much. And my cry is, pierce my ear, O Lord my God. I don't want another master. I don't want another Lord. I want to serve him for life. I want to serve God in this generation. And this little piercing and uh, maybe the, the tag that they'd, they'd put on the ear. It worked both ways. It was one where the master would say, this one belongs to me. God would say, this one is my child. Jesus was pierced in a different way for us. And all I'm saying is that, Lord, may I carry the mark of Christ You know, Jesus was our example. He lived to fulfill the purposes of God. In Mark 10, 45, James and John were squabbling, asking who's going to sit at the place of honour at his table. And Jesus said, you've got no idea. Are you capable of drinking the cup I drink? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That was his purpose. He was to serve the will of his Father, as I am to serve the will of God. This is repeated so many times in John 6.34. I have come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This sort of resonance Every time there was an issue, even Jesus would raise the the sail of faith to catch the wind of God. John 17, verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. When I get to glory, 
It's not human plaudits that we need. It's that, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've run the race. You served my purposes. That's why I saved you. It wasn't just to have a good life. But in serving his purposes, you do have a good life. It was to honour God. You see, in closing, that true peace and joy are found in serving the purposes of God. The worst thing I can do is have a foot in, in both camps. Ultimately, that will tear me apart. God looks for people who will be fully committed. Half-hearted is no-hearted in a, in a way. In Revelations 2, we read of the church in Laodicea, who were lukewarm. They were, they were tepid. And God's response to that was not good. So let us, let us lift ourselves. Let us say in this, this week to come, that I'm going to allow God to help me increase my faith. Wasn't that the cry of the, of the disciples to say, Jesus, increase our faith. If we've got a prayer, let it be there. I don't know what it would mean. It's certainly not, it doesn't mean me giving God a to-do list. It means me daring with a little bit of trepidation to ask God what his to-do list is. 2 Chronicles 16.9 Asa had been the king of Judah and he was confronted by the armies of Israel. And he made a, kit, a pact with the king of Aram. He didn't trust in the Lord. And that was, that was fateful for him. But in this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it maybe sums up everything I've been trying to say. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. Constantly looking. And it looks to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. How does he strengthen? He pours his Holy Spirit into us. Full commitment. And so, as we close, I pray that, that we might feel that we, not that we need to do that, but we want to do it. This isn't about ought to's, it's about wanting to. That we want to because he wants to pierce our ear. He wants us to, have, to be people of faith that have moved, that have so sought the purposes of God that we move deeper into that stream of life. Another thousand cubits. May we pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these, these precious moments when we can come before you. In a sense, stripped of everything else. 
wanting to serve you and serve you alone. To say like Isaiah, here I am. To be like David, who served you. Father, would you, would you take our lives, would you take my life? And Father, in this week to come, may I not, may we not, Father, be half-hearted. May we be fully committed. May we be for you. And get into the, the flow of what you're doing. And Father, that we may be a blessing to those around us. And we might please our God. And that you may strengthen us. That we might live to the praise of your glory. Amen. May you have a, a wonderful week when, uh, with God. And it's, uh, I'll, I'll end with what I started with. It's been a privilege to share with you. May God bless you.